Originality. You. <laughs> Welcome to Autographs. My name is Nick Singh, and just know originality is on the horizon. Let's go. This is Nick Singh, and we are back with another episode of Autographs. Welcome. The guest of honor that we have on today's show was actually somebody that I interviewed about two and a half years ago, and right after we spoke, he soon became one of my favorite guests to have ever had on. So he goes by the name of John Henry, and at this point in time, going out to meet him in Harlem, New York, I was curious to see whether or not he was going to, again, meet or exceed or maybe just fall below that standard, and I can tell you wholeheartedly, proudly, um, very excitingly that he absolutely exceeded it. I'm not just saying that. This guy, if you know me, has been a personal favorite in my books for many years now, and the reasons for that are very sound. Uh, John is somebody who provides a voice and an opinion and a perspective that I think is very needed at this point in time. Uh, it's one of being custom, being an original, and listening to your own intuition and gut. And in a world where self-help and gurus and motivation is very forward at this point, I think it's important that we take a step back and evaluate the fact that we don't need as much advice as we think because a lot of the answers to some of our greatest challenges are within us. And I'm not saying that as some kind of line because believe it or not, two and a half years ago when John and I spoke, I had asked him a question on the show and for the first time ever, the person I was interviewing back, in this case, John, stopped. And there was a moment of silence. And he said, I'm not answering that. And it almost came across semi-harsh to me at the time because I was like, why aren't you answering my question? And he goes, Nick, I can tell by the way you asked that you have an answer. And the reality is that the question's all that, not, not all that important, but better than asking me, you should take this moment in time to nurture your gut and trust that whatever your answer is, is right. And even if it's wrong, take it and learn. And in that moment, something clicked in my head because at that time I was seeking a lot of mentorship, reading a ton of books, going to conferences, and all that stuff is fine and well, but I'll tell you something, I was doing it without realizing that it was costing me my own intuition. I was doing it at the cost of getting farther and farther away from my own inner God, my own inner voice. So in that moment, I decided I was going to stop reading so much, going to so many conferences, listening to as many mentors, and I was going to take the chance of trusting my gut, nurturing it, and building out my intuition. And that was all about two and a half years ago and watching everything in my life that's unraveled since then. I can tell you that that was one of the greatest decisions that John helped me make. And I still to that day, to this day do that. I still go to conferences, I still go to events, I still look for mentorship, but I'm very much so on this wave of listening to my gut. And I'm very conscious these days of how in touch with that I really am. So part of John's message is truly inspiring that. And I feel like that's an incredibly needed voice and perspective in this day and age. And we speak on that a lot in this interview, so I think that you're gonna find that. But aside from what he's taught me, I think that it's important that you understand who he is. At this point in his life, he's 26. 
He is a partner in a venture capital firm called Harlem Capital. Uh, their mission is bold and beautiful. It is to literally change the face of entrepreneurship. Uh, they invest in women and minority founders, which are incredibly underrepresented in the uh, entrepreneurial market. Um, and it's a beautiful mission and they're actually doing incredible um, as an early startup. So definitely check out their work. And as a quick plug, I'm not getting paid to say this, but uh, this was hosted at WeWork Harlem. I wanted to shout them out because I've been to co-working spaces around the world and I can tell you that I never felt um, I never felt better than being at WeWork Harlem specifically. They treated us like we were family. Uh, shout out to uh, Ismail. Dude, I'm sorry if I'm misannunciating your name, but truly, you treated us like we were family and we felt this. So we appreciate it and I want people to know that that's where this took place. So with that, I'll let you folks get into the show. I hope you enjoy it. My name is Nixon and you're listening to Autographs. Peace. Um, you got some interesting stuff happening today, man. I thought I was going to be the highlight of your day, but you're meeting Wu-Tang in uh, less than an hour, huh? I am. I'm having dinner with the Wu. Um, then I'm going to... Uh, Nas is uh, having a release party for his new album. Okay. So I'm going to go hit the Like a Nas. listening party? Yep. A listening party tonight. Dude, how, how, do you, how do you get invited to this shit? Like, uh, so I'm homies... Well, I'm friendly with uh, the folks at Mass Appeal, which okay. is Nas's company. Okay. Um, uh, so we have some things that we're in the middle of working on. And I'm, I'm friends with one of the producers that's there. So I'm just kind of in that camp. So they slot, slid the invite. Understood. And then after that, we're going to the studio. And uh, we've been uh, looking to work on this for a while. Um, but we're going to go make some music. Yeah. You? Yeah. You do, do you rap? Yeah. My man, dude, let's run a freestyle yeah, after this, yeah, bro. So, so. I've been chopping that up for years, dude. So I've been, you know, excited. I just want to switch up the kind of content, the style of content. Understood, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, you can't make it too predictable. Can't make it too predictable. You're good at that. You, you like to switch it up. Yeah, I like to be funny. Um, but well, you're that, not that funny. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I like to consider myself as that. But um, okay, I want you to rank these folks for me before we even get started. Just kind of as an intro here, right out the gate. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jared Tangle. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Jacques. Yeah. Um, Brandon Bryan and John Henry from <laughs> Best to Worst. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's funny. I would say... Bro, you don't have to answer this. I would say... Spark. Oh, you're going to answer him? Yeah, one HPJ, two JT, and then uh, tie between me and BB. Try it. So, so, so how did the front two take the front two spots? Um, Why just, is that? At least with with respects to the Harlem Capital vehicle, mm. the amount of energy, skills... Um, and just experience, okay. and insight, and what have you that Ooh. each player brings. Like that's what I, cool. That's what I, you know, rated. Some some players like like uh, Draymond Green bring so much intangibles. It's really tough to quantify how valuable a Draymond Green is. Yeah, yeah, you know, but exactly. Like, but like anyone who plays against him is like, dude, he's no one their likes whole, him. He's no their one. whole defensive energy. He's the entire just defense up in your face. He's a fucking goon, bro. He's somebody who's gonna take you out if you don't. If you don't. He's a goon, one. and you're just like him. Yeah. Just being on the court, you're just mindful of him. Yeah. Um, and then you have players like Curry that just sink buckets, but then you have players like 
Braun and Kawhi that make plays and run plays. So, so you know, just to be clear, you're comparing yourself to Draymond Green, yes. Stephen Curry, yes. LeBron James, yes. and Kawhi Leonard. Yes. I mean, we are the <laughs> we are the Golden State Warriors of venture capital with a few when they were winning. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Yes. Understood. Understood. Before we took them out. Um, generally speaking, what are your thoughts on Trump? <laughs> I'm fucking with you, bro. <laughs> That's I'm, good, that's good. I'm fucking with you, man. Um, but in all questions, you don't have to answer your thoughts on Trump, but what are your thoughts on yourself? Um, my thoughts on Trump are... Oh, you're going to answer it. Yeah, my thoughts on Trump... I'm unless, just kidding. Unless, I, I don't even have the owner of the Cavaliers calls me right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I think they're helping me. No, cool. Maybe. Um, is your phone on? My thoughts on Trump is I find it... I, I actually like like to look at things as much as I can like a mirror mm. and like I'm just I just look at it and I just see what's being mirrored back um, and what I see objectively is like someone who broke out from completely left field broke into the most powerful position on the planet that in it of itself is you know there's a lot to unpack there like wow first of all you know, it's crazy that there even is a position that's that powerful. Mm. A, B, mm. it's crazy that like we had a, like a lot of what dictated if you could get in there or not was precedent, and like to see that someone can break break precedent, literally broke precedent, opened up a new chapter, started creating, and got history. into the presidency, and then a lot of the rules that were in there were also just precedent. They weren't like explicitly rules. They were just like, oh, it's just never been done. Mm. And so it's just been like really sometimes scary, but also like eye-opening to see. He's put that on the head a lot. What happens when yeah. you do that? Um, yeah. So that's my thoughts on Trump. Um, Before you answer the thoughts on yourself part, yep. what I really wanted to lead to, and like honestly start with, I just wanted to just throw some jabs at you there, get you <laughs> off your rocker a little bit, see if I could get John Henry not thinking straight, but I don't think I'm doing a good job yet. So. Um, in all honesty, though, uh, a lot of folks watching this may or may not know you. I've been following you for several years. Yep. And anybody do, is, that is watching this that has uh, been watching me for a few years and I see my track record, I've interviewed a lot of neat folks. And I've told John this personally, and I've said this in private, but I will say it on the show. Roll on all this. Cool. Uh, I will say this on the show. Uh, John, I interviewed him, I think, around two and a half years ago. Um, it was my personal favorite interview that I've oh, ever thanks, done. Man. Yeah, no, thank you thank for you. that. It was actually because... It was incredibly timely for me at the time, and you gave me a lot of gifts um, that weren't being given to me at the time because I was very induced in the culture of reading books and self-help, and you were a voice in the back of it all saying, what about trusting yourself? Yeah. And I think that that is the most, in my opinion, impressive and impactful part about you for me. Yeah. So I'm curious as to how folks are gonna react from this talk. But with that, I know you very well, and I'm very on board and in alignment with the things that you've done over the past years to yep. get yourself to this position. But for the folks that don't know you, I'm gonna intro you momentarily, but before I do that, I actually want you to big up yourself a little bit. So space to humbly brag has been given to you. What would awesome. you like to say? Awesome, cool, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I just feel like my DNA, you know, in terms of like my bio and what I've done, you know, it's out there, but my DNA is just like, you know, son of immigrant parents, mm. you know, born and not much, but had the opportunity to see what you could make out of hand that you're dealt. Um, and so I was blessed in that I had developed that understanding and that awareness early. Like, okay, there's a lot to potentially that I can make happen, you know? And then and then I think the, the blessing on top of that one, first was the awareness, the second was 
having the courage and the bravery to act on it because I, I see a lot of people stutter step, stutter step, stutter yeah. step. And you fuck around, you stutter step too long, you either jump, but you like make a false jump and you don't clear, you know, the, the, the rocks to get to the water and then you get hurt and you're like, I ain't trying that shit again. Or some people don't jump at all. But I think an interesting thing happens when you like nurture that confidence that, the, you know, that belief in yourself. That is your inner gut. And you, you make a nice clean jump and then you cross over to the other side. So with that said, you know, I think I was fortunate to catch my stride early, man. And I know that, you know, it's not, it doesn't happen for everyone. It happens for some folks. Um, but I was fortunate in that happened to me. I left school very early on. I started starting businesses right away. Left college? Um, left university? Left college. Cool. My first semester. Understood. I didn't, I almost did no school. You gave it no time? No time. One semester. I just knew right away. I was like, all right, this is, feels like a lot more productive use of my time. So started building businesses. That was innate, that feeling. That was innate. That was before I knew about VC and entrepreneurs and all this other bullshit. And I just built the business, man, and I was good at it. My first full year in business, I did 250K in revenue. Are you serious? Yeah. You did that with mobile dry cleaning? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I, I've never heard the numbers behind it because you kept it. I, I, I don't think Yeah, I keep it on the rat. I don't talk about it, but it's like yeah. my first year, I did a quarter million. And I had like, I just, I, I was 18, 19 years old, dude. Yeah. Didn't, you know, I didn't have an app. I didn't have any of the, that's why I'm like so jaded when people come up to me now and they're like, oh, you know, I just need money for this app. It's like, dude, you literally can just, Start. Yeah, you don't need the funding. You don't need any of that. Mm. So that shaped my, you know, my experience. So yeah, my first year, quarter million. The year after that, we doubled, and you know, we just kept growing. And so yeah, so that was really like my learning lessons. You know, I got my MBA on the road. I was learning, hiring, firing. I set up shop right around here in Harlem. I sold the business. I started an incubator also in Harlem. You know, um, and yeah, I got into, I've been into a bunch of stuff. Uh, now I'm hosting a show for Vice. I run a fund called Harlem Capital. Um, I do a lot of vlogging. Um, so I create a lot of content. I buy real estate. Um, I'm, I'm now in a bunch of stuff. Cool. Yeah, yeah that was an incredible answer. I was just in uh, upstate New York, man, and there was some folks there I was mentioning to you that, um, that run a VC. And the main gentleman who is part of the venture, uh, his name is John Pink Cohen. Um, and we were doing this round table thing where I guess you could call it icebreaker stuff like what we just did where folks describe who they are, where they're from, what they've done. And he scaled his VC trillions, which just partnered with Idea Lab, so it's gonna blow up even more than it already is, to 750 million across 30 companies. And when he got up to say that, he spoke it in a way that was so confident that he just steps in and goes, I'm a badass. And I thought that was neat. And um, respectfully, I want to run this back briefly and step in here because there's a few things that I want to mention on your behalf so that folks know everything we're about to get into is underwritten by all of this. Yeah. So not only have you owned and operated a mobile dry cleaning service for many years in Harlem and you took over the film and TV industry in New York City before yep. you had a market exit at 18, 19 years old. How old were you uh, at the market exit? Uh, 21. Cool. And then I know- 20, 21. Exactly. And then you actually founded a co-working space called Founders realized in that from my understanding that the mission was really not necessarily about giving folks a place to work but supporting entrepreneurs who hadn't been being supported yep which is where the mission in my opinion from what i've seen to start harlem capital was which is a beautiful mission by the way which is to invest in women and minority founders yep with a mission to do one thing to change the face of entrepreneurship Nailed and it. I, I i want you to get into this yourself because you say it way better than i could ever lay it out but you talk about ownership frequently and um that was Oh, is this thing dropping? Thank you, Devante. Um, 
you talk about ownership frequently and you said, I want to help change the face of entrepreneurship by giving them a slice of the pie. I think that's the biggest mistake they're making. Before we dive into that realm, I want to tell some stories. So I want to bring up a moment in episode one of um, The Hustle, your show with Vice, which was incredibly impressive. Yeah, thanks, dude. Yeah, you're welcome, man. I'm a huge fan of it. I'm definitely on the way of the thousand season two. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with that, there was a moment in there where you were in the car. I'm sure you remember it. You were supposed to be in Allentown, Pennsylvania yep. with some broker or some yeah. person brokering a deal for you in real estate, your big yeah. real estate and you dropped the ball. Yeah. But the most interesting thing was, was the guy was laying it out on you over the phone, mm -hmm. and then you muscled back, and, had the, <laughs> and, and yeah, this is how I viewed it, man. You gotta understand, I come from middle class, right? Yeah. So you grew up in the hood. Yeah. And one thing I respect about folks that grew up in the hood is that they're not afraid to throw some punches, mm -hmm. okay? So um, I'm trying to learn how to do that myself, and a lot of folks listening to this just don't know how. No offense. Yeah. You came back at this broker, you were in the wrong, you had missed the meeting, uh, there was a lot of money on the line and you came back at him after he reamed you out and you said look You don't need to sit here and hard talk me and that conversation I believe ended up leading you to losing the deal. Mm. So it ended up I think so. Mm. Let's talk on that for a moment Yeah, how, how are you not afraid to be that way? Yeah, I mean, I think I think in that thank you for bringing that up because it's an interesting like part of the show where that, by the way, was completely unplanned. Oh, I know. We were shooting the pilot. Of course I knew that there was a showing. I knew it. I'm not like completely oblivious, but like, it's really weird because the way the TV happens is like, I knew that the TV, we were gonna shoot within a two week window, but TV is so spontaneous that like, it just kind of happened. It was like, all right, cool. Like we got the green light to shoot the pilot. Like that was the pilot actually. So yeah. that was shot some time ago. Yeah. Um, and. So anyway, it just kind of happened and it was like, you know, when you're on a TV crew, it's like a 20 person crew. And so like, there's a lot of schedules that you're managing. And so like, it's actually hard to be flexible with it. So I was like, fuck it, let's roll with it. And I knew I was getting a bad deal from the lender. So and time out, run about, I know what happened. Yeah, so Folks for, so for context, show, I'm yeah. getting ready to buy this property, right? This is a seven unit property in Pennsylvania. And my lender, I pretty much was dealing with like a shark lender and he was, he was, give me terrible terms, really high interest rate, you know, a lot of fees. And like, that just sounds like some business shit, but like, it's actually like, he's, you know, shark, uh, loan sharks like prey on people. They set you up in a situation where it's easy to slip and fall. And then when you do, they take your property. Right. So like, I would have like lost the capital that I put into the property. Mm. Like it's, it's a very dangerous actually thing. So you knew this. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, I could just tell that they were sharkish. So anyway, comes, the closing day. I know I'm supposed to be there closing, but in my heart, I'm like, I'm trusting my heart. I'm like, dude, I don't want like, unless I, if I close, then all the deal terms are enacted. Like the moment you sign, it's official. If right. I don't sign, it's not official. Like yeah. it's just is what it is. So they show up to the closing table at the same time that the show, we're shooting the show. And so anyway, this was not supposed to be part of the show. And like, I'm sitting there taking a call and my director hears and he's like, hey, what's going on? I was like, oh, this is just some personal shit. Cause you can imagine this is very vulnerable. This is very moment. real for you. Personal. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to shake out. I don't want this to be broadcasted nationally and now internationally. It's in Canada, Israel, France. Yeah. So I was like, no, no, no. And he was like, roll, 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 roll. And I was like, oh shit. And I got nervous. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it, because this is the shit that I'm dealing with. And like, I don't want to do this show and pretend like I'm like, 
like a hundred percent figured out. Like I want to show that I'm still figuring my shit out. Mm. And I want it to be part of the show. And like, how yeah. cool would it be if the the guy who's helping other businesses grow also shares that he's going through shit? Yeah. And so it was very uncomfortable moment for me, but we let it rock. And the way it played out was in that particular call that you're referencing, the guy was like, "Hey, where the fuck were you?" Blah blah blah. And then I realized in that moment, I was like, "Wait, wait, wait a second. It's my money. You're a fucking broker. Like, you're gonna make money off of my money." Like you get paid your fees, the lawyer gets paid their fees, the attorney gets paid, everyone gets paid their fees, the seller walks away with a big chunk of my cash, the banker is gonna make his fees because he gave me a shitty deal, and at the end of the day, it's my bread that I'm putting up. So I, I just like reclaimed my power as the buyer. The buyer makes everything go because mm. he's, you're, you're the one who's got, who's got the bread. You're the one who's acquiring the asset. Have you done that before? No, that was, yeah, that was my second deal. Got it. Um, well, so, I, I mean, reclaimed your power oh no i had because that's the part i want to focus on yeah because like respectfully the real estate stuff's important but i think what's relatable here is the fact that and i encourage anyone listening to this please like watch vice um vice's show with john it's called the hustle it's called the hustle right hustle yeah, yeah just hustle i figured right. put the thought in there but um <laughs> anyways it's called hustle and in episode one he responds in like a really incredible way how are things for you shaping up with? Sorry, I, I want to make sure I'm not No, no, please don't, dude. Please don't be sorry, man. It's a big deal. Right. But I'll continue. So you are not afraid to engage in hard conversations, man. And would you say that comes from you being raised in the hood? Yeah, I think so. I think. Or am I falsely um, attributing that? I know. I think um, the essence of that, the essence of hard conversations is uh, conf- confrontation. I think um, growing up in the hood, in any hood, exposes you to confrontation. Mm-hmm. You know, people all the time want to be like, yo, what's good? Like, it's just the default, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, you grow up, and but too much of that is actually adverse. In fact, there's a very fine line, like you have to take the essence of confrontation and uh, figure out how to appropriately translate it, you know, in like, in you know business settings let's say in a in a professional yeah yeah Yeah. and it's it's not that you got to water down who you are but it's just like you learn that confrontation actually a lot of times it's just stemmed from insecurity Mm. it's like yo what the fuck you looking at it's like dude re-fucking lax yeah they're like there's nothing worth fighting about yeah you know and so but anyway that same spirit you learn to nurture a little bit in business like sometimes you have to reclaim your power um um, and sometimes it's sometimes it's the wrong thing to do, actually. Um, but I think you got to go through enough wrong things in order for you to internalize that that that's wrong. So yeah. how do you how do you do it with? Because I'll tell you, man, um, this is something I'm recently on. I come from the middle class. We've struggled financially, but not in the way that folks from the hood have. And um, I don't say that with disrespect. In fact, in often cases, folks from middle class will try to dumb their situations down. Um, because they want to make their upbringing seem harder than it was, so that they can feel yeah. at least. Yeah, in my, at least no, in no, my I've seen that. I've seen that a lot. Um, and I can tell you that part of the middle class, in my experience with it, was you're afraid in situations to step up and be confrontational because you're afraid to get swung back at verbally. Yeah. So where does that uh, strength get nurtured? You just think it gets nurtured out there on the on the battlefield, or? Yeah, I mean, it's the same way that you build up, you know, your squat or your jump shot, you know, you're just going to miss. Yeah. You're going to miss. Yeah. Like, it's just what it is. Cool. And, um, you know, I think 
if you're in enough situations where you find you're woefully unprepared, as I have been many times and still sometimes am, that's all you need. Like that's, you know, in the last couple of years, I've felt my weaknesses glaringly exposed, like super evident. And like, that's actually a blessing. You know, what it's uncomfortable, but it's like, damn. All right, let me get better. What weaknesses? I'm very disorganized. Are you? Yes. Cool. Wild. I have wildly disorganized. I would have never guessed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wildly disorganized. Um, I um, can be, I can go through times where I'm like fully present and then radio silent. Mm. Right. And so like that's leading through like my family will say, dude, we haven't heard from you in three fucking months or, you know, I might duck out and shoot a TV show and not have as much communication with my business partners or then be fully present in the business, but absent elsewhere. And it's mm. like, man, I'm in so many things. I'm like learning. How can I be present for all the things that I'm in? Because it's not an ex- it's not a good enough excuse to say, oh, I'm in so many things. It's like, all right, then do fucking less. So it's like, all right, how can you, f- how can I take on all the things I want to take on and be as available as I need to be in all of them? And maybe it ebbs and flows a little bit, and that's what I'm finding. Yeah, it's like you put great teams in place, and then you're, you know, you ebb and flow between them. Yeah. So I'm trying, I'm still trying to figure all it all out. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that. Actually, I was speaking with Devonte, who's running the camera. Thank you, by the way, Devonte. I'm glad to have all you folks here, by the way. But with that, um, he was asking me about my film business back home. And because uh, he was an up and coming filmmaker in upstate, and I was just like, after talking to him for maybe an hour, I was like, Devontae, in fact, I hope what you got from this conversation is that I sincerely don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's the most sincere thing I can tell you, and you'll probably surpass me very soon because mm-hmm. um, I just think that with your question ability, I think that you're going to do very well. So it's nice to hear that you express a similar vulnerability. With that, uh, I wanted to jump into one more story and then I wanted to ask a few more questions. I don't have many talking points. I just want this to flow naturally. So you're doing a great job. I appreciate that. Um, I'm, you're not going to say it back. I'm not doing a great job. You're doing a great job. <laughs> you're doing a great job. I'm fucking You're killing it. Fucking <laughs> Anyways, dude, but in all seriousness, there was another moment that really hit me on your Instagram channel. You made a video about it and you guys were pitching to a multi-billion dollar firm. Yeah. And there's a billionaire across the table. And your four partners were sitting on the other end of the boardroom table. And the gentleman on your team, who was supposed to be responsible for the clothes and asked for the money, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he fumbled. Yeah. And at the very end, he had said, so if you want to, you can invest or give advice. Yeah. And very humbly, the billionaire stepped in and said, advice is cheap. Go for the money. And you described that situation brilliantly and said what it felt like because everybody started giggling because it was almost a little bit awkward at the table, but the billionaire wasn't laughing. Yep. And he was almost to you silently calling you folks to say, if you want this money, you better come and get it. Yep. Because if you want to play in the big leagues, this is what it takes. Facts. I was just in upstate New York with a bunch of venture capitalist firms and somebody leaned in who was one of the venture capitalists and said, ask for, he said the opposite advice. Mm-hmm. He said, ask, ask for money, get, get advice, money. ask for advice, get the money. So I'm curious as to how you approach that dichotomy and also think, what that situation was like. Yeah, I just think it's wrong. Like the, which one do you think is wrong to be clear? Uh, your friend. Cool. Yeah, I just yeah. think he's wrong. I just think like, there, I think early in your process you asked for advice, like to formulate like what you're doing and get yeah. enough validation and groom what whatever. If you're creating a film, if you're doing a podcast, if you're running a fund or a startup, there is very much a time and place for feedback so you can kind of shape your thoughts. But at some point, you gotta stop asking for fucking feedback. 
at some point you get to the point where you're like, dude, I don't need any more advice. Like I know what I'm doing. And like at some point, and you can, you'll feel it internally when you cross over because you're trying to like communicate and then folks will be like, well, here's what I think. And you got to get to a point where you're like, dude, respectfully, this is what I'm doing. This is what we're doing yeah. with or with like, it, this is what it is. Yeah. Are you in or are you out? And like, that was a moment for us when we we're like, like we just turned into sharks from that moment. Like once, in fact, we're actually hanging that up in the office. Advice is cheap, get the money. Really? Yeah, fucking huge. Respect, man. Yeah, man. Respect. And it's like, actually from that day on, we never softened another ask again because this <laughs> is, you. most people would consider this man the second best investor in the world, second only to Warren Buffett. TPG? Uh, I can't say, but um, it's, you know, this guy, is the godfather of private equity you could probably find it with that title but cool um and when when someone of that stature says yo get the money you listen i just don't care what some like i don't care what anyone else has to say like yeah i know i know what i'm mapping towards and like yeah. that feels right to us exactly and we've, we've had a lot of success since that meeting so especially because that's coming from top down too right like from that guy I met this, I was speaking to you privately before this, and I was saying I met a billionaire in Los Angeles, and I could tell you, John, these folks, you know this better than I do, but they move fundamentally different. Yeah. Like, very different. Like, his advice was very sage in that he was recommending, don't rush, do things right. He's a very methodical thinker, mm. and very, very, very incredibly astute businessman, but not to get too deep into business, because I don't want to go there just yet. Um, you had said something interesting there that I want to press on because this was the gold for me two and a half years ago and I don't want to miss it this time around because in the event that another person can benefit from it, I want that to happen. We were on the phone, we were doing our first interview, which I'll release on this podcast. And um, you had mentioned, I was asking you personal questions about dropping out and what have you. And this is when it became my favorite interview. I'll tell you the specific moment. <laughs> I said, should I drop out? That's pretty much what I told you in this long contextual way. Mm -hmm. And you pause and you're like, I'm not going to answer that. And I didn't ask you as directly as that, but it was the first time on my show where somebody I was interviewing and at that time I had met with Gary and some other folks decided not to answer me. Mm. So it, it, it really just opened up a space in my brain to really hear what you're about to say. Cause I was like, Whoa, what did I say? Did I say something wrong? And you said, something tells me about the way you asked that, you know, the answer and you're probably too afraid to admit it, which is why you're asking me. I don't know what it is, but the only way you're gonna start gaining confidence is if you nurture your gut. And from that day forward- That's a damn good answer. <laughs> it was you, right? So from that day forward, I've collectively drawn back the amount of books that I've read. I've drawn back the amount of conferences and events that I go to, drawn back the amount of mentorship I seek. I still seek mentors and still seek advice, but it's a very different energy and been honing in on this nurturing of my gut. Mm -hmm. And in that process, you're a big part to thank on that. I've developed a ton of internal fortitude and confidence. That's great, man. That's so, awesome. So I actually strangely remember exactly where I was for that interview. I do too. Um, I was actually here in this office, but I was, um, you know how in the, in the main space, there's like the steps, like, yeah. like bleacher setup. Yeah. I was like pacing. I always pace when I take so calls. I was um, uh, pacing up and down those same steps when I was on the phone with you. And it's strange that I remember that because I, I take a lot of, you know, like in, you know, interviews and blogs and da da da, da but like I, I distinctly remember that one. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You have a great knack for this, man. It's a great, it's a good, it's a great you, gift you have. I used to downplay this gift that I have also of like, um, you know, we have a way with words, you and I, yeah. and we have a way to connect and yeah. we can deliver messages and visuals and we can unlock people's hearts which means that on this medium we're like 
we're well equipped to do well. Um, and I used to just play it down. I don't know why. I had a tendency to be like, ah, it's not that valuable. But like, you know, it is, dude. It's a valuable skill. And we can touch people and we can communicate whatever it is that we're doing on right. scale. And there's all kinds of benefits that come from it. Um, yeah. So just use it responsibly. Thank you for the kind words, man. And you know it's mutual, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, with that, John, I want you to lay down your philosophy on that. The yeah. whole be custom, you don't need as much advice as you think. I'm kind of just all balling it into one here because it feels like the same energy. Yep. Listen to your gut. Um, all that. I, I, I don't, you don't strike me as a person who reads often, respectfully. Mm. You're yeah. incredibly intelligent. Yeah. Like, stupidly articulate. Thank you. But I don't sense that it's come from books and conferences and yeah like, no it hasn't like, um like let's speak on that for a moment yeah i mean i don't know I, th I think i think folks probably everyone has their own way of learning by the way the only reason i use the word folks is because of you no way <laughs> that's hilarious and the only reason i use that shit is because of brandon are you serious yeah all right just make sure i put this in my pocket so it's all good man there can i can i see it yeah no you're good. Good. good yeah you're good bro thanks for checking that. yeah yeah no doubt that'd be crap um, folks yeah. um no but um look i think Man, I, I'm thinking of my mom because I'm so fucking opinionated that like, I used to be like, I can't believe like they don't want to do more. And my mom would be like, son, it takes every kind of person for the world to go around. And she like really drilled that line into me for years now. And it's gotten me to understand that it's like the way that I see fit isn't like what everyone should want. And that's fine. And so, but anyway, to put that into context, I almost felt like everyone should want to stretch and be a lot um, and you know that's just not the case but that, then I go back and forth because then I say man is the reason that someone doesn't want to become all they want to be is is it because they don't feel like they can and so you know I don't know or maybe I don't know maybe some folks are like very self-aware and they're like dude I just want to live in a ranch you know which is fine too but anyway to your question around um, being custom, being custom, don't need as much advice as you think and not needing as much advice for me. The reason I prefaced it with that is because I've learned a very specific way. And I have a feeling that a lot of people would also really learn great. And that's just like in the action of like doing right. And it's like, I learned way more about business just doing it. I've learned way more about podcast. I've never dude. I'm just like, I'm not equipped to like thrive i don't thrive in structured environments or like with precedence i just don't like that mm. like the like we got good at doing this because we do this a lot mm. you know and like i just have a default to action where it's like how can i do what i want to do on the smallest scale possible like so with investing it's the same thing like before we had big institutions investing in us it was like all right let's talk about this yeah i want to put three to five k to work like who else, like who else wants to do it? And I found a few homies that each wanted to put three to five K and we teamed up and that's all it was. And like, it's, you know, so that's why I've been big on this lately. It's like treating the baby step with a ton of respect because the baby step actually, it's like the, the acorn has the oak tree in it. Right. Right. It's yeah. like the baby step has the end goal in the baby step. Yeah. It's in there. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be a fucking TV show host one day, then do this like vlog if yeah. you want to you know whatever it is you want to do on the grand scale find the baby scale step of it and just start right there mm. and i don't know that doing that 
I've like nurtured my rapport with myself, my feedback loop within myself. Um, and then a very interesting thing started happening is, you know, <laughs> there are some folks in the current digital ecosystem that have built, you know, massive presences and that creates a lot of fanaticism, right? And like, we're fans of these folks too. Like we love consuming their content and stuff like that. Right. But then like when you go, for me, when I went in person to observe some of this and like I see people just like fanboying to the nth degree as if that could never be them. And that was like the mm. big disconnect. I'm like, for me, I draw inspiration from and say, yo, that's awesome that you could do it at that level. How could I do it? better how could i do this shit in my own way like how could i take you know i'm trying to borrow from all these cats and like you know use it for my path and like the disconnect i have is from folks who are like yo that's all. like i mean it's great to you, do you get the nuance here it's like it's awesome to be inspired by something or someone but it's like i'm fundamentally not someone who is just like oh my god like if only i could mm. no I just I'm disconnected from that completely and so that's why I started leaning into the whole be custom thing mm. it's like yo you could you know you can be that yeah Does that make sense it beyond sense man yeah. and uh, it reminded me of a video you did back when and um, you had mentioned some folks in that video you said Gary Vee Tony Robbins and some other folks and you're like at some point we're gonna have to stop looking to the next generation yeah because these folks like be it as they may they're legends and will always be bro you've consumed so much of my content I really, yeah. really appreciate it yeah because you're man. you're dropping stuff that's like it's not even like on the 60 second Instagram clips no man. you're yeah. deep in like these aren't the singles no. these are these are the album cuts yeah these are the album cuts, you're man. fucking in I'm there I'm a fan dude. I'm a fan dude <laughs> fucking but, in like, there respectful but with that you've um you mentioned that these folks are legends but be it as it may at some point your words exactly we're gonna have to stop looking to the next generation and start looking to each other facts and you said quote unquote i draw a lot more inspiration from my folks like this these yep. days than i do from those and you had mentioned it feels like a fundamental shift yep Looking at that shift, because that was probably about a year ago, that felt like last summer to me, Yep. give or take. Um, how has that treated you thus far? Are you even more in that space? Excellent, dude. I'm like leaning into my peers. And I actually, some of my peers give me a lot of heat. Like, you know, I'm not here to control how anyone feels about me. Some people are like, fuck with me heavy. Some people don't fuck with me at all. And like, you can just kind of tell the energy and that's fine. But like... Even if you don't fuck with me, I still want you to know that I'm rooting for your ass. Yeah. It's just what it is. Yeah. You know, like I am a big believer in the fact that when I was a jazz player, I used to look at like Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis, Bird, and I used to read about how they all knew each other when they were coming up. Mm. And I used to be like, damn, is that coincidence? Is like, that like it is now? How, how is that? And then, yeah, then I started drawing relation. I'm like, oh shit. I didn't realize it until year after year after year, it's the same people, but the circles actually get smaller because the folks who stay consistent are fewer and fewer. It's like really hard to, to as you know, like, you know, to stick around in this game, it's just hard. Mm -hmm. So I just have nothing but tremendous respect when now I'm like 10 years in, it feels crazy to even say that, not yeah. eight years in, eight, eight, I'm 26. Cool. Sorry to 18, so I'm like eight, nine years in. 
But like some of the guys, like Anthony Frazier, who you've been rocking with, have been rocking for a minute. Yeah. Like, and hey, man, I just have the greatest respect for that. And they know, like, if you ask Ant, like, and all these cats, like, man, they know I have love, man. And I try to support and I do my absolute best. And I'm really big on this, this, I'm not looking up, bro. I'm looking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's lovely, man. Do you ever think that there's going to be an, I'm just checking the time here because I know that you have an important dinner to get no, to. No, it's okay, it's okay. It's um, not like, I don't think a Wu-Tang Clan is going to show up all the time. So. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, I don't think they're, they're going to be punctual. Time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not I would highly be surprised if they were. Uh, Devontae, how are we looking on that timer, by the way? Uh, three minutes. Uh, three minutes? Yeah. Can you just restart it really quickly? Please. Are you trying to situate that camera so you... you no, not at all, man. It's, no, just, okay. it's just recording audio. I'm not here. I'll, I'll, I'll do it the wrong time. You're good. Start Boom. Split it up into four clips. Just go yeah, we're good. Who are you? Thanks for your patience. Oh, yeah. No worries, dude. Double mic life. Double Mandy. mic life. What's going Nick on? Singh. What's going on, fellas? Devontae. Devontae. And another camera. It is what it is. Heat. I like that moment. I like that moment. Where was I going? This is gonna I was going to say Devontae, and then I was like, fuck, is that his homie? Is that your other homie? Come on. That, that's come on. Come on, come on. <laughs> Actually, you know what? By the way, I'll take a brief moment here to shout out, not to cut the flow, but to shout out um, uh, We Work Harlem. Uh, they're kind enough to put us up, and the gentleman running this space is just outstandingly kind. It feels like home. I've been to many WeWorks, and this is the most authentic plug ever. I've never felt more looked after than I have yeah. here. Yeah, Harlem. So, Thank you for this. Yeah, it's uh, Harlem. Yeah, yeah, certainly Harlem, bro. It's just the Harlem energy, bro. Home, hometown vibes, dude. Always, always. Hometown vibes. Um, where was I? We were. By the way, it feels good to get love in your hometown. Yeah, these you guys, know. these guys really respect you out here, man. Yeah, they, yeah, we're speaking about you. They do, and I appreciate that. Um, and it was not always the case. I think from from the jump, I kind of set this tone of like, all right, this is the young kid that's crushing it. Yeah. Um, but it was like, keep them at an arm's length. And then once you consistently execute over time, people start just, you start earning respect. Yeah. And you also start earning criticism and you start earning a little bit of competitive nature. Mm. Cause like Nas says like, you know, old hustlers that used to love us to the fact, he's like one foot, he said old hustlers one foot in the grave. They used to love us till we found our own way through the maze. Mm. And that just resonated with that because I recall specifically, I won't say no names, but some cats who were like helpful when I was little bro. And then like when I, we, you know, it kind of started popping, you know, they were like, what's going on here? They leaned back. Yeah, and they were like, even beyond leaning back, it was like, listen, little nigga. <laughs> you know, and it was like, I felt some animosity and what I, th- I felt it implicitly and then it was said explicitly and it just like let me know. Um, but you know what? That came out of being, you know, I, I default to love because I understand what it must be like to be around a minute and like the game has shifted underneath your feet. The landscape has shifted and like this shit is now democratized. Mm-hmm. And w- what's more is like we as digital natives are actually better equipped yeah. to like crush it in this shit. There yeah. are very few people 20 years plus, like Gary is one who's like, was in tune enough with what was coming up mm-hmm. so that his age turned into an advantage. Yeah. 
right? Like his age turned to advantage because 10 years ago, we weren't really thinking to produce and he was seeing this as a business opportunity. So he was able to get in the game super early because he had the foresight and execution capabilities mindset. For most folks, age was a disadvantage because they just didn't pay attention. And you know, new players came and, and you know kind of took yeah. their took the took wind it. out of their sails. So, anyways, so I felt some animosity. But then what happens is if you continually execute, then you kind of grow out of that out of that window too, and then you just start getting, you know, respect. And I actually liken it to Drake. Like I used to rag on Drake. Y'all already know though. Oh, yo, yo. Like, this guy's fucking whack. One of these new rappers. Like I'm on my nasty Nas. I'm on Hove. Right. And then, you know, so still around, like, yeah, all right, still around. And then at some point, it's like, damn, when someone's around for so long, you can't help but to have respect. And then you become a fan. Yeah. And so, you know, I hope to execute so fucking long that people just, like, respect out of just this, that sheer fact of, yeah. like, he's been around for a minute. Well, it's certainly happening. I mean, I'm, um, I'm two years younger than you, and uh, I both look up to you, but also see us in many ways as peers. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, namely, not because of my own account, but because of how you've treated me. So thank you for that. Yeah, no doubt. Dude. And but in addition, I think how you treat others, like you don't, you're, um, you're very, you're very good at ensuring that everyone feels looked at, mm. which I think is wild and difficult to do. Yeah, all that you have going on. But um, I want to just have one more touch point on the custom stuff. Where does self help, books, conferences, advice giving, mentorship fall in? To the with you like 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 with you and can you I, I don't know if you do it now I don't know if there's any of that um, yeah I've learned enough that there's a necessity for some of it yeah no for sure so how does it work itself in yeah no I agree I think I think there is space for it but not at the expense of you trusting your own voice and that's really like sometimes I take to the extreme to really dial in a point so someone can get it and then from there, you can kind of adjust it to whatever feels suitable for you. But like for me, the reason I started harping on that point, I can specifically remember, um, I have a mentor who is very senior. Um, it's much older man. And also he's been the CEO of large uh, multinational publicly traded companies. I mean, he's very experienced. And when you're around someone who's experienced, who's, whom also is in your life, like, why the fuck would you not lean on them for every decision? Like, why would I make a decision when I had this super experienced motherfucker behind me and I'd be like, yo, what do you think? And like, at some point I started realizing like, yo, I'm not developing my own ability to reason because I was using it as a crutch. And at some point I like experimented with it. I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna cut it off. And it feels, it feels stupid to cut it off in a way because you know that you'll consistently get the better answer, the right answer, with this person who's more experienced. Understood. And so I realized I'd actually rather fuck up more often and have the wrong answer, but have it be my answer and have it nurture my process. Because I'll never get to that level of foresight unless you're wrong a million times. And so that was like the moment when I was like, all right, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna subsidize my ability to think critically and make decisions. I can counsel, but I won't subsidize my that ability. Got it. Um, and so, that's kind of the the drawing point. That's so a, I, I, that's I, a dichotomy. That's the so, yeah, and I believe yeah. Fucking listen to podcasts, read books, blah blah blah. Have it all nurture you. It's all part of the game. 
Um, but whenever you're just like, I know just some people who just like read every fucking book that's in the startup circuit. Oh, I read, you know, I'm not ragging on these books. I love these books, but we all know the cats that are like, yeah, have you read zero to one and lean, <laughs> lean startup and like, oh yeah. And like, it's all the same. It's like the same staples. If you're reading and consuming the same staples as everyone else, you're going to have the same fucking insight mm. and thought like, what about, there's a whole world outside of that. And, and that whole world to me, I think is in the doing. So I don't know, man, I've just, I've found a lot of nuggets from lifting the rug and, you know, looking yeah. in places where other people aren't looking. And mm. so fuck it. Now is an original thought at the moment. It's like, yeah. Go on and read, read whatever you want. I'm not here to judge that, but I'm just saying there's a lot of really fresh insights that you can get if you look in places you didn't think to look. Yeah, and I think that it's an important message, man, because there's a line I didn't know I was crossing and many folks don't realize that they're crossing. That becomes that very thin line that is difficult to come back on. It takes, in my opinion, months and years to rediscover your own voice. Yeah. Um, and it's a very thin line. Moving on from that, I want to move on from business and just talk to you on the personal level. Um, these might feel like rapid fire, quick questions, but um, however you want to answer them, you're welcome to. Uh, how are your relationships? Like, where does that play a role for you? Are you looking to experience a love life at this age? Um, how does that play into your process? Yes, yes, I am seeing someone. Cool. Uh, and she's very special to me. And um, um, it's always a work in progress to nurture that. Um, but I think when you meet someone who kind of shares the same values, it's a little bit easier. Mm. Um, my relationship with my family is getting better. It's gone. It, we're, it's always love and tight, but like sometimes I'm less present than others. Mm. Um, so there's that. My relationship with my biz partners has never been better. Um, my relationship with the people that I create with has never been better. Um, so I just need to make sure that I take care of the, the real root, which is yeah. family and love and stuff like that. So how's the relationship with yourself at the stage in your life? Solid. Um, I think at this point, as I mentioned earlier, this has been uh, a very humbling one to two years of, of really learning what I'm not good at mm. and also really learning just how much it can cost you. Because I'm, I'm very naturally talented and I think like when you're naturally talented, you can coast. You can coast. I've experienced and, and like and you can, it's like, I don't know how you were in school, but like in school I was like pretty fucking smart kid that never tried. And so like I knew I could coast and get a B. Yeah. But like when you want, when you step into the AP or whatever, and it's like the top top. If you want to hang, like it's not enough to just like be naturally talented. I liken it to like sports. It's like all right, Allen Iverson, Hall of Famer, he's fucking ill. But like you couldn't talk to him about practice, mm -hmm. right? Practice. Practice. You really want to talk about practice? You really want to talk about practice? Right. Yeah. Versus like he had like look at someone who had the talent and put in the work, mm -hmm. like Michael Jordan. Mm. So I'm like, do I want to be AI or do do I want to be MJ? So you've you you this is a great time to transition here, man. You've owned your greatness in a way that's unprecedented that I've seen. And actually, I'll take that back. People have done it, but I like the way you're doing it. I resonate with it most. Thank you. Uh, probably about two and a half years ago, when I first came across your stuff, um, you were um, in in real life. You had less going on, meaning like you weren't doing all the things you're doing now. Right. But on the level that I saw that, you saw yourself as that many years in advance. Yeah. Um, and so you presented that to the world without a quiver, a shadow of a doubt, yep. without any hesitation, really. Yep. How did that work for you? Like, where did that confidence come from? Because I think that plays a really big role in your brand today. Mm. Um, 
because you stand on the statue that you believe you own. Mm-hmm. You stand on the ground and you say, this is mine. Yeah. And whether you see it yet or not is irrelevant because I do. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I had never really thought about that, but I think... I don't mean it as a knock. I no, think no, a, no, not, I didn't take it as a knock. Cool. Um, I took it as a empowering thing. Um, and I think, man, I'm trying to assess like where that came from. I mean, I think if, we were, if you were to look at it practically, it came from, you know, growing up in the streets that I did and my mom looking at me and saying, hey, you could be president. And like, I believed her. I still believe her. I actually plan to run. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. And maybe we'll harken back to this vlog, but like when I'm cool. 65 or 70, I plan to run. Cool. Like, I don't care if I win. Yeah. Actually, I care if I win. <laughs> I'm trying to win. But I'm just saying, yeah. you know, there's something about, and let me, let me just like draw a nuance here. Um, Please do. The nuance is I feel empowered because I just don't feel like I control anything. It's, it's like weird, right? Because it's like all this macro that's going on mm-hmm. that we have absolutely no control over. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like we're, we can be the masters of our world. But at the end of the day, I don't know, man, I'm kind of spiritual. It just feels like there's something larger at play if I were to be honest. And I just feel like I know that that thing that's larger at play can't fail. Mm. It's the same shit that grows the trees. Mm. Trees grow perfect, bro. What do you call it? God. Um, God. Yeah, I call it God, but I also call it like just the world, right? It's like the world, dude. Like nice. fuck, it fucking rains. Yeah. Right? Like it rains I can when it's hot. That. Yeah. And like it just knows the seasons know when to change. I mean, we're fucking it up lately with climate change. It's yeah. way too hot outside. But yeah. like, the seasons change. The tides ebb and flow. Things grow. Like, there's just a natural... And spiritual would make someone who's, like, not religious... I'm not religious. You know, call it, like, hocus-pocus. But just think about the world. The world ebbs and flow. Animals, you know, fucking are born and yeah. create. And everything kind of has its course. And I just feel like it would be silly to think that we're disconnected from that from that same flow and so it's like all right i just feel like i'm just i'm an instrument by which that energy can flow and the more i can work to purify the instrument the more wholly i can express that flow and it's like i know that that flow doesn't fail that flow has been around for thousands of years gonna be around thousands of years afterwards like i know that that shit doesn't fail and if that's my source of power i know i can't fail Mm. and so it's like that's why i feel unshakable man and that's why like when i'm not to say that i don't doubt myself sometimes i smoke and get a little too high and say and like i don't know you ever been there but you just start being like oh my god like i start fucking spazzing out and like i remember one time i was like walking down the street and it's like someone recognized me i'm like fuck (laughs) i'm I'm just like this feels weird like how does this person know who i am oh shit it's because like this thing that we do all day we fucking put a video and someone saw it and like actually consumed it and like and it's like sometimes you get in these states where you're like, dude, out, I'm just like, you look down. Like I've been building so long, you look down and you get scared of the heights. And you're like, oh my God. Mm. And like, I just want to crawl in a hole where I'm at. I've been and there. Like, I, I just, I'm afraid, dude. I'm afraid that it could all, I don't know. I'm just afraid. Sometimes yeah. I get afraid. Okay. Okay. Sometimes right, I get afraid. Right, right. I just get, yeah, and, and, and then sometimes you're like reclaiming. You say, no, dude. Like, yeah. And you take a deep breath and you say, that you know the building has not been for naught like it's mm. you know and, and there's a and there's a lot more to go afterwards so that was beautiful man that was yeah. i've never heard you lay that out 
Um, I don't know how frequently you've spoken on the spirit, but like not and, frequently and, at all. Yeah, and yeah, being yeah. like like again, I'm not a religious guy, but I've studied major religions globally because I've been very into the spiritual and what you said really relates and I think that it's a bridge how you framed it for folks that aren't looking for the experience of Jesus or God or um, Buddha or, um, or Rastafari or, Rastafari or, or what have you but like it's a way of understanding because I think again it's silly to not look at the lessons that so prevalently play out in the, in the regular so as a chance to kind of bring this to a gentle close uh, I want to ask you a few more short questions and then we'll wrap um, more on the personal so you mentioned relationship how's your health I'm curious like how do you interact like what's your health game like do you work out how's your eating I've always been curious about that and I'm yeah. curious because most folks that I meet just to give you some context um, until they're at like a really high level John like so far as they have this major team around them assistants personal coaches personal trainers, that. that's when they're able to really bring in the strings and focus on everything collectively and have this yeah. very wholesome experience with your life as busy as it is from the business front i would expect naturally that something that draws back would be relationships and health relationships you seem to have grip on i'm curious if the same grip exists for you in the health area of your life ebbs and flows i think um at at one time i think when i feel the best when i'm at my best I am both meditating and practicing yoga. I like that to me. There's something about, you know, like Western workouts. I like to hit in the gym, get yeah. a little fucking pump, yeah. you know, but there's, it feels very rigid. It's uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh. And like, yeah. there's something that I like about the Eastern arts and mm. movements where it's like a little bit more connected to breathing. It's a little bit more flowing. You feel limber. Mm. Um, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I'm at my best, I'm like practicing yoga and I'm sitting and I'm meditating. Um, um, but yeah, man, it's fucking, it's tough uh, to eat well on the road. Mm. Mandy knows, you know, Mandy's, Mandy lives in the fucking mountains in the Poconos, <laughs> literally. And um, you know, he's just going on this crazy ride with me and we're just catching flights from Pittsburgh to come here and then we're in, off to Indiana and we come back to Cleveland, to Charlotte, to Detroit and it's like, it's kind of a fucking blur and um, yeah man, thankfully my health is sound yeah. um, and I know there'll be, there'll come a time where I'll have more space to over-index on it like yeah. you had alluded to but for right now, I'm drinking fucking root beer and I'm eating lobster tacos from the truck on 125th. Lukewarm yeah. fucking lobster tacos. Lukewarm lobster tacos. That truck has seen fucking some serious customers. But, yeah. um, all right, last few questions. Um, you said it, and I've always wanted to ask this. This is kind of like uh, a question my homie wanted to ask. He was going to be here with us. He's very into the wellness space, the yogi space. I didn't know you were into it, so I was going to bring it up. And I know you are. I would love to see a world where John Henry picks up, I don't know if you have this in your portfolio, but a business that's focused on wellness because I think that the gap for folks that are doing wellness, they have a lot of great ideas, but they're so incredibly artistic that their carry out from an entrepreneurial standpoint mm -hmm. is oftentimes weak, to be frank with you. Mm -hmm. In my experience, it's not a community that thrives off of entrepreneurial tactics. It's very mm -hmm. like, let's do donation-based yoga, right. and, and which is cool, actually, there was like a the yoga studio that did that in Santa Monica that crushed it. But um, I'm not knocking that. I'm just asking you if you were to ever lay some advice out for an industry such as the wellness industry, what might it look like? Yeah, I don't know. I think um, I think around the wellness industry, um, certainly trending in the right direction. I just think it comes down to like finding your tribe in that space. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that the brands that like find their fucking tribe, their diehards. You know, like I know of a gym that like they really embrace like the trans LGBTQ community nice. and like their fucking their instructors are like 
let's go you dirty fucking sluts you bitches and they all love that shit and they're in there with tights and they're walking around with giant dildos and like yeah at a gym yeah and like they found their tribe and they're able to pop and so you know i've seen that work really well can you find your tribe really specifically and you know what can you do with that cool uh last question and then before i do it i i always like to run some acknowledgements um just i i what's that five minutes yeah cool thanks man so we'll wrap before that but um you have uh been on the grid so like there's there's levels to it as you know you mentioned this many times before and there's folks that i have seen in my life come in that are just on a very major scale reaching a global audience multiple million you're on that route but because of where you're at in your journey because actually where i intersected with you which was before all of this happened Mm -hmm. uh, you felt you still feel relatable, but it was even more relatable when I first interacted with you, especially over the phone. So uh, I'm not going to overdo it. I think that sometimes folks overdo it on shows with their thank yous and just sincerely from uh, my lips to God's ears back down to you, man. I appreciate you, dude. Awesome, thank man. You. Thank you. Um, last question for you. I know that you have some folks in your life that you look up to, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to name a few that I think would put up a good one for you. <laughs> and you understand why I'm saying this in a moment. So theoretically speaking, I like to ask this, you have, you're in an audience, and on stage is Tony Robbins, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, let's put Lupo on there, let's put Ray Dalio on there because you invest, and let's put Nas, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> All right? Actually, no, let's swap out Nas for Hope. Okay. All right, so we have Tony Robbins, it's a very eclectic group, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Ray Dalio, mm-hmm. and Hope. They're on stage, and this would never happen, but theoretically speaking, um, everything stops. Tony has the mic, and the audience goes black, a spotlight appears, and then boom, it lands on you. For the sake of things, they don't know who you are, they invite you up to stage. It's a crazy situation. That's great. And then they hand you a mic, and they say, what's your name? You say, my name is John. Tony goes, nice to meet you, John. Understand that between the four of us, we are so incredibly confident in what we can do as a group, or as individuals, that we have $25 million sitting in an escrow account for you right now. You can do whatever with it you want. All you have to do is beat us at something. And in fact, we're this confident about it that we're gonna let you choose the challenge. Okay. They hand you back the mic. What's your challenge? Um, Street Fighter Two, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Gary for some reason just like rating Street Fighter Two. Yeah, I fucked them up in Street Fighter. Understood. Yeah, bro. all four of them. Understood. Uh, yeah. And I might dick around, and. Um, and try and freestyle against Ho. Just for, uh, I would lose the twenty five million. Yeah, but I'd be okay with that. Just the experience of running a freestyle with Ho, man. Yeah. Last but not least, yeah. or or I might go toe to toe with Gary and say I could do a better Kino. Ooh. I might do it. I like it. I like that question because it presses on areas of confidence and then somewhat confidence as well. So yeah. it's always an interesting one. Lastly, are there any questions you have for me? So any questions that you wish came up today but didn't. No, man, you did such a great job. It was a nice, it was not the typical, you know, sit down, chat. It was different. I think we opened up talking about Trump and some other bullshit. <laughs> I didn't expect you to answer that. We flowed, it was great, it was great. Like, we're, what we're working on is like, you know, so much of my world is business, but there's some, uh, there's a lot of aspects that I want to bring to the game. And so, you know, Creating spaces to talk about different shit mm. is all is the game right now. So appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Job well done. One love, dude. Yes, sir. Thank you, John Henry. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Devonte. Thank you, brother. Thank you, We Work Harlem. That's a wrap.